Hello, everybody. We have the NHL draft coming up. Oh, my God. I figured we, you know, we need some experts in here getting to biz on the regular. We need some help. That's why I've enlisted Peter Harling of Dauber Prospects and the co-host of Dauber Prospects Report to help me out. All right. He's going to be joining me. We are going to discuss the upcoming draft class, who might be ready to make an impact in their first season with their new teams. All things draft coming up. Let's get the biz. You're listening to Fantasy NHL Today. Welcome in, everybody. Yes, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate that. This is Fantasy NHL Today, and I am your host, Blake Creamer. Please follow me on Twitter at Blake Creamer SE. This is a sports ethos presentation. Um, we also got a Discord. We do that. All right, the link is in the description. So you click on it, and you get in there, and you talk to me. All right, and that's that's nice. All right, that's that's how I get my human contact. All right. And also, I've got an Instagram. I just started an Instagram. It's Fantasy NHL Today, all one word. So you can get your biscuits over there. Again, I'm experimenting with all the different Instagram filters. I'm just having a super time. So you got you to gotta check that out. All right. But I digress. All right. We got a legend in the prospects game here. Joining us today, Peter Harling, the managing editor for Dauber Prospects and the host of the Dauber Prospects Report podcast, Peter. Thank you so much. How how are you doing? Welcome in. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah, this this time, you know, it was really funny. Once the NHL playoffs started, it's like Twitter just turned to instant draft. Like, it's like that's the next thing. So is this like a really kind of cool time for you just because this is sort of one of your specialties? Yeah, the draft is uh, something that I look forward to every year. Uh, I like going to the draft, and when we didn't have it because of the pandemic, that really kind of sucked. And uh, it was really great to be able to go back to it last year in Montreal. It's it's kind of like the formal for the hockey season, you know. You you've got a whole year worth of hockey watching and writing and whatnot and podcasting, and and then the the payoff at the end of the year is is going to the draft and meeting all the people in the hockey community that are online and writing for different outlets and stuff. And you interact with them on Twitter all year. And um, it's nice to share a beer with them. That does sound nice. That sounds like good, clean fun right there. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're about here on fantasy NHL today, but yeah, you're going to the draft. I'm, I'm excited about that. Like that. So when you go to the draft, what, what does that look like for you? Are you interviewing players and, and you're, and like, what comes out of that? Like you're going to be writing a bunch of content. And things like that coming out of there. So I'm actually more interested in hobnobbing and and mingling yeah. with the media personalities than I am the players. The the players, you know, I, I can see them at the games and stuff, and and interview them if I want to. But you know, they're they're most of them aren't the most articulate people in the world, and and I'm not a, a media guy by trade, right? That's not my day job. So I'm not a great interviewer of prospects. Uh, I've talked to a couple of guys who who are media people and and they're better at it. They, you know, fledge out information from the prospects and they kind of give me some tips, some coaching on how to do it. But, but you know, I need a little bit more practice at it. And quite frankly, the people who read my stuff and listen to my podcast, they're not. They don't want to hear me ask hockey players like, "Who's your favorite player?" Like, who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not relevant to their fantasy league. They want to know if 
if they're going to be in the NHL, you know, in a year or two, as opposed to right. five years. So I'm not going to get that information out of the players. So I like to talk to the to the scouts and and the NHL personalities and the media people and and etc. That's that's where I can get information that I can translate into fantasy hockey gravy. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah, you know what? There's only there's only a, a few people in the world that like fantasy hockey gravy, and Peter and I were two of them right here. We like that all over Thanksgiving dinner. It's, I don't know where we're going with this. That's all, all I can get. That's a weird visual, but you know, we're going to, you know, I can edit that out later. That's, that's not a problem. Um, cool. Well, I'm excited for you and I'm excited to, to watch that draft too. Cause obviously this year's draft class is pretty exciting. I mean, in your uh, estimation, how does this year's draft class rank to kind of, you know, previous ones, even in the last decade? Pretty well. Um, I, I like the depth in it. It's a, it's a good draft for getting forwards in particular, centers i think the the top end of the draft is pretty meaty you know the first four or five picks there there's there's a lot of meat on the bone with those guys and then as you go down through the draft it doesn't really drop off too too shallow as you get into the second round and and further uh in comparison comparison to some years and right at the top you've got a player in Connor bedard who I think he's closer to, you know, Connor McDavid than you know, some other first round picks or first or second overall picks in the past few years that didn't have an immediate impact. So, so it's a pretty exciting draft. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, you know, it's one of those years, like, obviously I'm a Canucks fan. I got the Canucks flag back here. Uh, it's one of those years where I would have liked them to have maybe a couple picks in the first round, but uh, they they don't like to do that. They like to trade away their picks uh, for, I don't know what's going on. What's going on in Vancouver here? I'll hit you up on that later because I, I have heard your your organizational take on Vancouver, but I would like wouldn't mind rehashing that a little bit just just to put some salt in the wounds here. Um, all right. So uh, before we get into kind of the 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 meat of this episode, something I like to do when I have a guest on a new guest is sort of. I like to get your fantasy origin story and, and you're, you play fantasy hockey, right? Peter, you were kind of started out in fantasy and then you moved towards prospects. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love to just kind of figure out like, how did you find your way to this work? What is it about fantasy that, that got you excited and into it? And then even further in your experience, how did you get into prospects? Cause that's very niche on a niche thing already. Yeah. So, well, I've always been, a big hockey fan right ever since i was a, a kid watching hockey night in canada with my dad on saturday night staying up yeah. late eating popcorn and then you know got a little older got a subscription to the hockey news got into some hockey pools with my friends and um you know always always enjoyed that for for a while there one of the things that was great about it was you know you got friends in high school that you're in hockey pools with and then y'all go off to college and different colleges but for a long time we got together every year and, and did a hockey pool draft just before, you know, the school season started or, and then even after college and pretty much up until everyone started having kids and then that became complicated. Yeah. So always been into fantasy hockey and, and in my previous life for a long time, for about 15 years, I, I ran a blockbuster video. Uh, oh so my, I had that. All right. All right. That's a, that's a good Friday, like Saturday night. Nobody I'm with you. All right. You're aging okay. us. All right. Stop that. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's fine. So when, when, you know, the, the business went up there and after working there for so long, I decided, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take some time off from work. I'll enjoy that EI paycheck and, uh, and, and, and indulge in a, 
and a hobby. So I started writing about hockey. I started a, a blog that's long since discontinued. And um, I started writing for a couple different outlets like the hockey writers. And, uh, and then one day I sent, uh, I got a message from, from Dauber asking me if I if wanted to put my, uh, my article on, on his site. And I said, yeah, sure. And I guess he liked it. And um, shortly after he launched Dauber prospects and he asked me to contribute to that covering, I think it was the Winnipeg jets. So I've been kind of involved with Dauber prospects since, since it launched and uh, have been the managing editor of it in, in two iterations for, for several years. And, uh, you know, obviously I went back and got a real job, but uh, you know, I keep doing this on the side cause, cause I love it. It's fun. You know, I love doing the podcast. I, I love talking with people in the hockey community and going to the draft. It's uh, my day job is, is of the soul crushing variety perhaps. So this is good soul food. <laughs> I love that, buddy. Um, I think this kind of goes, we were talking a little bit offline here about just the, the hockey community in general and how um, open people are to sort of support you and, and you know, come on your show like you're coming on mine here and, and just communicate with you, you know, um, people at all levels. And I think that's part of it is just that passion that people have, like people at my level, like this is very much just a passion project, right? So um, and like, I, I just love that that kind of brings people together and, um, something else you said there, um, just kind of about your, your story a little bit is, is how fantasy kind of, um, is like a pillar in people's lives. Cause I have that experience too. I've had guys that I played hockey with like 15 years ago that I would never have kept in touch with. Like there's no way, but like every year we do a redraft and we've been doing it for 15 years. And I consider these guys like good friends, you know, <laughs> but it's just, it's just weird. Like I don't even see them, you know, I haven't seen them in like 10 years, but like I talk to them more than I talk to some of my, you know, close friends. Cause you know, I got to chirp them about, uh, you know, beating them in fantasy. So um, anyways, I just, I love that about fantasy. And I think that's, that's kind of sounds like where you're coming from too. So I like that. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that is a good fantasy origin story. All right. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I'm always just interested because it, like I said, it's such a niche sort of thing you get into. So everyone has a little, little something, a little different. I love that. All right, let's get to business. We're here to talk about prospects. And honestly, I was saying this to you too, Peter prospects are not my thing. I I've never spent as, uh, even close to the amount of time, uh, as I have this season, looking at prospects, learning about them, reading all the guides that are, that are released. Like, um, you know, the Dauber prospect guide, it being one of them, what a great, uh, piece of material that is. So definitely go check that out. Everybody it's got some good, good stuff in there. Um, but one of the things I'm interested, obviously, because it's a fantasy podcast, sorry, in your opinion, Peter, what type of things do you look for in a prospect that might translate into NHL success and even fantasy hockey success like is there something that you see consistently in prospects that are that are coming up i wouldn't say that there's like a secret sauce that you can apply to to every player and just use that as your measuring sticker barometer each guy is his own player and they're all unique um, but there are some things that i look for that can be indicators of potential future success and a friend of mine, Gus Caceres, who who wrote for um, McKean's, has the four S's of skating. Um, smarts, skating, shooting, and skill, or whatever it is. And um, that's a good overview where, you know, prospects have to have a variety of skills. And, and those are the translatable 
attributes, I think, that make it to the NHL. For me, Hockey Sense is, is the number one because I think Hockey Sense can compensate for other shortcomings that a player right. might have. Right? They might not be the fastest player, but if they can process the game, they don't have to win the foot race. They can just outthink and anticipate the play and compensate for that. Or if they're not the biggest player, same thing, right? They can they can just outthink the situation. They don't have to, to bowl the guy over or chop him down like a lumberjack. They, you know, just a, a smart stick lift, or if they anticipate that he's gonna shift to the right, and then as soon as he does, they're they're waiting for him, you know, those kind of things. Having at least one skill set that is exceptional, mm. I think is really important too, right? Because if you think about how many leagues there are, the CHL has about 60 teams in it, and then you've got the USHL and the NCAA and then 11 billion teams over in Europe too. There's just not enough NHL jobs for all those kids, even if they're, they're good enough to play in the NHL. So they have to have something that, that really pops, right. That sets them out from the masses, rather it be like a cannon of a shot or they're a burner um, or they're, you know, they can fight whatever it is, uh, they're six foot four, something that kind of has them stand out a little bit. Cause there's a lot of players who are end up getting really, really close. They're tweeners, right? They're guys that are yep. really good American hockey league players. And you're like, Oh man, this guy's like leading the league in points. I'm going to grab him on my fantasy team. And three years later, he's 27 years old. He's still not playing in the NHL. Just doesn't have that one standout skill set there. Uh, so, so those are some things I look at. Hockey Sense is carrying the most weight. Uh, in addition to that, I try to put into context what they've done, right? So if you got a guy who's dominating in his senior year in, in junior hockey as a 19-year-old or you know goes back for his overage season and goes from having 70 points to 100 points as a 20-year-old playing against 17- and 18-year-olds, put that into context. Right. And he's dominating against inferior competition. When he goes to the American Hockey League next year, he's no longer going to be a point and a half game <laughs> player. He's right. going to come crashing back down to earth. And then also, I, I like to look for continued progression and development. Some players hit their peak at 18 years old, right? How many times have you, you watched a World Junior tournament and you see a guy, he's dominated the World Juniors, maybe been named the CHL Player of the Year, and then... And then, then that's it. It doesn't get any better after that. He's peaked out. You know, he, a Cody Hodgson is a good example of that going back a few years. He was Oof. he was hot, hot stuff, right? <laughs> he, hot stuff in, in fantasy hockey. Like people would trade all kinds of assets to get their hands on that green banana. And then he never ripened. <laughs> he just flamed out. So seeing a player that has nice, steady, continual development curve is really important rather than having uh a big breakout season when they're 19 or 20. So those are a couple of things. Yeah, absolutely. Cody Hodson. And I, I have uh, borderline PTSD about that. All right. <laughs> Canucks fan over here. What? Oh God. You know what it was? Can we get the man some minutes? They, they just let him rot on the third line. Anytime he gets top six deployment, the guy was flying and then, you know, mismanaged injuries and whatever else. Cody Hodson, mm, we injuries. salute you. All right. You know, sorry, sorry, you, you didn't make it, my man, but hopefully you made some money. Um, yeah, one thing I was going to ask, I, I like that point you made about being being kind of good at, or really exceptional at one thing and kind of standing out in that way. Where do you rank, um, like, compete? 
compete level in there. Cause I know just from playing hockey that, you know, cause I consider myself a skilled player, but maybe, maybe my compete is not uh, where, you know, some people are. And, and those players that have that really high compete, oh, I just, I hate playing them and I end up losing to them a lot of times. So do you, how do you rank that in, in terms of a prospect coming up compete level and, and how is that prioritized really? I think it's important and I'm a really big fan, but it's hard to quantify and to mm. measure, right? Like there isn't a stat that you can look up on in stat or elite prospects that shows a player's compete level. You can read some scouting reports and, and they say he's got a high compete level or they can even attribute some sort of arbitrary point system to it and say he's like a nine out of 10 compete. Well, you know, on any given day, like what does that look like? Says who? Yeah. <laughs> I'd prove it. Show me the data that supports that. It's difficult to do that. Um, I like to call it Charlie Hustle. You know, I and I root for those guys, and I got lots of time for guys that go out there. And s- some things that I look at for that would be, um, like Alexi Kovalev was the worst example of this. <laughs> yeah, he would go out there for a shift. It'd be like a two-minute long shift, and he would just float around waiting for convenient opportunity for someone to pass him the puck or for a lane to open and wouldn't really try and retrieve the puck for himself very much. And, you know, when it's time to change, you know, the play's going back towards the defensive zone and he's like lollygagging, taking his time getting to the bench. That drives me bananas. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to watch the guy that hustles nonstop and has that mentality that like the happy Gilmore, like that's my puck. You're not allowed to touch my puck. That's my puck. And won't be satisfied with the other team having possession. Is that goal regulation size or what? Now, sometimes those players can get themselves out of position and, and get lured out of position like that. But, you know, I I'm prepared to take those mistakes in favor of the player that, that has that, Anthony Sorelli compete level. Oh, absolutely. Uh, put you on the spot here, but do you see that level of compete, at least from what we know from kind of the top 10, you know, consensus uh, draft picks here in the first round? Do you see that in any of them? Yeah, well, I see you could come up with some examples for each guy. So off the top of my head, I can think, you know, when you're watching the World Juniors and, and Connor Bedard and what he did, that, that overtime goal that won them the game, that was a good example of it where he was just it's a combination of that and skill where he's just like, okay, I don't, this is it, game's over. I'm just going to win yeah. it now and no one can stop me. And there's a couple other plays where, you know, he was breaking down the wing on, on a two on one or a two on two or whatever. And the defenseman pushes him off the puck and he reaches extends like go, go gadget arms and uses the, the blade of his, his stick to pass the puck just no 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 quit right like no never never gives up and and always makes a play so those are some some good examples um you know uh, players who get back bashed around a little bit and then don't retaliate and don't go to the ref and cry about it and 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 get drawn out of the play they just you know they just stay focused and like alex alex pitch did in the in the playoffs where florida was really in his face and trying to get him off he was just having none of it he was just there to play hockey that's that's pretty great i I like those kind of attributes so i put a lot of value in that it can be sometimes difficult to get to watch a player a lot sometimes 
in order to identify them as that kind of a player. Um, but yeah, I think it's really valuable. And I think players can will their way to the NHL. We talked about being exceptional at a particular skill can get you into the NHL. Well, I think there's a lot of players who in their history were never drafted in, in a couple of leagues that never drafted in junior and just walk on and try out or sign a contract in the, as a ATO in the American hockey league or sign contracts as free agents after never being drafted and getting an NHL job because they have that compete level. They just, they will themselves to make it. And I got all kinds of time for those kind of players. Oh yeah. How about our uh, reigning con Smythe uh, trophy winner? Johnny Marchessault, what the, not drafted, he's just getting the biz. Um, Yeah, I like that. Um, Well, that's good stuff. And that sort of leads in, I I mean, obviously Bedard is the consensus number one. What do you think, I mean, and this is on a fantasy-wise kind of thing, what what do you think we can expect from Bedard this season? And first off, is is he going to play? Like, he seems obviously ready to play and, you know, with with the Blackhawks there. Do you think he plays this season? And if so, what can we expect from him fantasy-wise? Um, so will Bedard play in the NHL in his D plus one year? I think so. A lot of teams these days are embracing patience with their prospects. And I think for a long time, there was this unwritten rule where if you're the first overall pick, you're in the NHL, like you're going straight to the NHL. And then Buffalo kind of bucked that trend with, with Owen power. And Slavkowski played half a season with Habs last year, but he was like the only player who, uh, from last year's draft, you had any relevant games in the NHL. I think Connor Bedard is is that good that even though Chicago is not going to be in a in a rush to win anything this year, and and you know they're not going to be a good team yet, the choices are he plays in the NHL or he goes back to junior, and there's just no reason for him to play yeah. another year of junior, right? Like. He's dominated. Get out of it. Yeah, totally. He's dominated that league. He is too good for junior hockey. So he's he's not eligible to play in the American Hockey League. Um, so you know, I guess technically, if Chicago didn't want to play him in the NHL, he could pull an Austin Matthews and go and play somewhere in Europe and sign a one-year contract there. But Chicago sold I don't know how many season yeah, tickets. Yeah. Like the, I was just gonna the say night yeah. they, the night they won the draft lottery. There's there's no way Chicago's gonna, you know, say, nah, never mind. We're just gonna let him play somewhere else. Uh like hundred percent he's in the NHL. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm sure he's playing here. And what do you like? What do you think he can do? I mean, and who do you think he's going to line up with? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Lucas Reichel. I don't know what your what your pulse is on Lucas Reichel. You know, maybe getting a full time spot coming up here. Um, I mean, do they play together? Do you think um, that's kind of something they might do in Chicago? It's hard to say who he'll play with. Um, he'll probably cycle through a bunch of different uh, different players. Uh, I'm not even sure he'll play center as a rookie right away. I mean, mm. it'd be it'll be interesting to see what Chicago wants to do with him. Um, my expectations for him, well, every year there's a lot of hype around the first overall guy, right? And people will be rushing out to draft him in prospects drafts and everything. And for the last little while, we haven't really seen an impact player come out of the draft in the first overall Lafreniere, Hughes, Heischer, they all played and and they were good, but you know, they weren't impactful players for your fantasy roster. They weren't winning you a league or anything like that. You go back a little bit further than that. And you've got guys like McDavid, who was a point of game player in his rookie season, but he only played about 40 games or whatever it was. And then he 
bust out for 100 points the following season. Austin Matthews had four goals in his first game, so he kicked in the front door. I think that's what you're that's what you're going to get. I think with with Connor Bedard. I mean, you you watch him play in in the WHL, and he almost willed his team to to win a round in the playoffs. And there was times at the World Juniors where it was just it was just ridiculous how good he was. And you know that's playing against you know 19 year old players, so not NHL caliber, but those are the best 19 year old players in the world and he was way better than anyone else in that tournament like it wasn't wasn't even close and you know you look at the the records that he set and the points that he scored and and the company he's in with that kind of caliber and it's you know it's pretty ridiculous Um, yeah so I think he's got 60 points as a floor for his rookie season. Yep. No, I love that. I mean, I think about, you know, Matty Beignet as well, or Beignier's, like, he's, Bedard is better than Beignier's, like, and Beignier's was able to get that. Like, I I'm, I feel like Bedard, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard for me to project, like, I'm doing some projections, fantasy projections this year, but obviously the prospects are a little bit tougher for me because I don't have a big history on these guys. I'm mostly, I'm focusing on the HL. But, I mean, when I plugged in some of the numbers, Bernard came out at, like, yeah, pretty much a point per game, like, you know, 75 points, something like that. So, but I like what you said. I think his floor is 60, and then we'll see what happens. Like, he's going to need some some teammates to play with, obviously. Like, Andreas Athanasiu, I, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's all right. Eh, sort of. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Chicago. Oh, it's slim pickings there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I don't remember who Sid Crosby's line mates were or what his options were in his rookie season. I mean, McDavid had dry and hall and Eberle. Uh Matthews had a couple guys in Toronto that were all right too. I, you know, I, I'm drawing a total blank. I can't remember who Crosby was playing with as a rookie, but I don't think it was great. No, I think it was pretty <laughs> lean and he did all right too, as a rookie as well. So, you know, I think Bedard is a play driver and He's not one of those guys that's reliant on his wingers. In a couple of years, you'll be drafting guys in your hockey pool who play for Chicago, hoping that they play with Bedard. Yeah, because they're on his line. No, I like right. that. Um, yeah, well, okay. So besides Bedard, I mean, we'll go down the list here a little bit. But uh, sorry, besides Bedard, who is the next sort of player you think uh, from this draft that is going to be NHL ready and could maybe not make an immediate impact, but maybe get in the league this year, um, has a chance at opening night rosters? I mean, what, what do you think? Is it? Yeah, well, like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of teams are embracing patience with their yeah. with their top tier prospects these days. And, you know, like only Slavkowski played meaningful games in the NHL from last year's class. And I'd kind of argue that maybe they shouldn't have. They they his place could have been in the American Hockey League. But my two top two picks are are pretty obvious ones and Leo Carlson and um and Adam Fantilli. Um those are two guys I think could come in and and play. Carlson played meaningful games at a pro level in Sweden. Uh, Fantilli had a, a banner season as a freshman in the NCAA. And the NCAA is, you know, a higher age class than junior hockey right like you know the ushl and the chl leagues those cap out at like 19 and the ncaa kind of starts there it's 19 and up to 24 year olds kind of stuff so so there it's bigger stronger competition at the ncaa level and and he looked great there it's not quite the pro level um not quite the american hockey league 
kind of pace and, and skill, but you know, still, still pretty good. So those guys would probably be you know, the most ready and you never know. There's, there's always outliers, guys that get picked and have a perfect storm of situations where they impress at training camp and they're on a team that, that has lots of opportunity and lo and behold, they, they make it and maybe the team has some injuries and, and then they stick for a bit and they get past that nine game threshold and teams are like, well, I guess he's staying. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see too. Like I, um, like you said, I think I'm of the old sort of mentality where it's like, Oh, you're in the first couple picks. Like, okay, you're going to your NHL team like the next year. Right. And I still sort of have that mentality. So it's, you know, that's not really the way it is anymore. Right. Like, like you said, even Bedard, like not, I, I definitely think he's going to be playing next year, but if he didn't, it wouldn't be like some huge shocker. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think, you know, they're, they're starting to do what's going to be best for these players development. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, Adam Fantilli. So speaking on him, what, what's your, what's your take on him? I mean, consensus number two looks like to me, or is he, are, are you taking Fantilli at two? Or are you going Leo Carlson? Is it a conversation? It's- Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the Ducks are going to do. I, I'm If I had to put my money on, I'd say they'd go Fantilli. He's not a lock to play on the opening night roster. Not yep. at all. Um, don't be surprised if he goes back to Michigan for another year of NCAA. The AHL is another option you could go with with him. You could sign him and put him in the American Hockey League. And then he's in that team's system as well, right? Yep. Yep. And if Anaheim picks him... I don't know. Do you think Anaheim's trying to be competitive right away? You think they're going to try and compete and get in the playoffs and who knows what could happen when you're in the playoffs? I'm not so I sure always, they're there yet. I always wonder that though. Like, do you ever think like this just, this, that's just reminds me of like the Canucks this year and people are like tank, like let's tank for Bedard. It's like, can NHL teams actually do that? Like you have a, you have competitive players on the ice. You have a coach who's like, you know, I just I'm wondering how that even comes about. Like, does the GM come down and be like, OK, guys, we need you to take some L's here. You go out and you skate around. You have some fun. Right. It's like, dude, like, I think they want to be competitive. I mean, but I, I don't know. I'm not like you're talking to NHL people. And like, it, is that an actual thing? Because I know it's a thing that we as fans go like, well, why don't they just tank? Oh, they just won a bunch of games. What the hell is this? It's like, you know, of course they won games because they're competitive and they want to win. And that's what they're doing there. But what, I mean, what's your take on that? No, I don't really think NHL teams tank, not in the way we do in fantasy hockey, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's totally different. Like people aren't buying tickets to watch my fantasy hockey players play live. I, I people aren't, their jobs aren't on the line if they don't win right. games, right? Like the coach is going to get fired if they have a stink of a season, right? And NHL players they're playing for lottery ticket contracts, like for, for millions of millions of dollars. And yep. they're not going to go out there and, and lose on purpose and, you know, not back check and goalie's not going to whiff on the save on purpose. Cause it's going to give them, you know, one spot closer in the draft lottery and two extra lottery balls. He doesn't care about that. The only person in the organization that might honestly consider a strategy towards what we would call a tank would maybe be the GM. You know, he can make trades. He can trade players away for, for draft picks. Right. And then you're, you're taking players who are producing in your roster out and replacing them with, with lesser productive players coming up from your system that aren't as impactful yet. So 
is that a tank or is that GM just thinking long term? Right. Like this right. player is, you know, he's in his last year of his contract and we're already not going to make the playoffs. So I'm going to get a draft pick for him and that'll help us out in the future. That's probably more he's thinking about as opposed to if I trade this guy away, we might lose one or two more games and I get make it two or three more lottery balls. So, you know, who who tanks in the NHL? Maybe the GM, but that's about it. Yeah, I like that. I think that's that's spot on because. It's just a funny percep- uh, perception that I think we have as fans. Like I remember the Canucks, of course, they they get Rick Tockett in there and then, yeah, they start winning games. And you're like, what the hell are you guys doing? Bedard's in there. He's from North Vancouver. Come on, this makes sense. But, you know, it, it's it's just funny. That's not how it works. And I always try and remember that. But that does make sense. GMs are like, okay, like you ever, did you ever see Moneyball? Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Like, oh, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah, so okay, well, I'm trading that guy. He's gone. Like, get him out of here. No, get him out of here too. People that are producing are like, what are you doing? The coach is trying to win, but I don't know. I'm yeah. sure that's kind of how it goes down at the NHL level. All right, but we're digressing. I don't know. I, I got off on a tangent there. Um, I want to talk about more of these players and someone who I'm very interested in, uh, lots of NHL teams, I'm sure, Matt Vemichkov. I must break you. The Russian beauty. What uh, what's his situation going to be? Do you think he's going to going to fall in drafts? Because when I first started researching this, he was kind of the consensus number three. It seemed like, um, and now it seems like he potentially four, or maybe falls to five, or even further there. Um, what is the appetite for Mishkov, and, and what is he bringing? You know, even to the to the table before we talk about sort of his contract issue with uh, the KHL. So there's a huge appetite for this player this time last year the debate was who's who's going to go first will it be bedard or mitchkov like going into this year's draft class he was he was the competition for number one overall and the problem that a lot of people have with him is um kind of two things uh the geopolitical issue that russia's in in morally invading ukraine and killing people that's, you know, that's not good. So poo-poo on that. Uh, and then bad. the other concern, <laughs> yeah, it's not cool. The other concern that would, he would rather stay in Russia or Russia right. won't allow him to leave. See Ivan Fedotov, the goalie prospect for the Philadelphia Flyers, who's in military prison, basically, because he wanted to, to leave and come to North America. Right. Right. So another small concern is, is he's got this, contract that runs through 2026 i believe it is so you know you've got three years where you're gonna have to just sit on your hands and wait for him to come over um i'm not really that concerned about that to be honest with you because most of the players are at least three years away from playing in the nhl that are in this draft so the only downside to that particular situation with this player is you know he's going to be playing in the khl and not in your system like you have no control over anything his his eating habits his practicing habits the ice yep. time that he gets the deployment that the team wants him um, what they want to coach him on and, and have him develop and practice in his game it's totally out of your control you got no say in any of that so so that's a little off-putting but you know think about uh Kirill Kaprizov and how he was this much raved about prospect and took him forever to come out of russia it seemed like forever and a day but when he did he was only 
maybe maybe 24 years old and man did he not hit the ground running and his wouldn't you love to have him on your fantasy team now right so you know is it taking a chance drafting matt vay mitchkov in the top five I, i i don't really think so um he's the only player that really could give bedard competition for first overall and i think another thing that's kind of slipped under the radar a little bit here is because you haven't had a lot of opportunity for people to watch him play this year because because he's in russia and you know it's hard to to get access for live viewings or go you can't go and visit russia and watch him and so there's there's not a lot of buzz about what he's doing this year but you know, look up some of the highlights that you can get on on the internet for him, and and you can see the things that he's doing. He's scoring Michigan goals, and um, right. the kids, the kids, <laughs> just a goal goal producing machine. And last time I looked, that was like not only good in fantasy hockey, but NHL GMs really, really appreciate that too. So, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of his, and I think it'll be interesting to see if he falls outside of the top four. Yeah, I've got. I've heard some people talking about in the seven and nine range. And I'm just like, wow, if you take a player like David Reinbacker over this guy, that's the kind of thing that like gets you fired. And then, you, <laughs> and then, and then you never get back. You can never yeah. come back from that. That'll just yeah. be it. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I always love that part of the draft where someone just goes rogue and you're like, Oh no. Like what, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a positive person. So I always give benefit of the doubt. I'll be like, Oh no, they, they must know something that we don't. And then, you know, three years later, like what the frick was this man doing? Oh my yeah. God. Like, you know, Oh, you know, it kills me, man. We Canucks took uh Ole Olevi over Matthew Kachuk. What the- At the time that wasn't an egregious pick. Oh God. It, I, but as hindsight, casual hindsight, it is. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, I guess you could look back at so many picks and be like, why? But uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I remember that draft, though, particularly. I was like, oh, they're going to get Matt Kachuk. This is awesome Canadian boy. Like, no, Ole Olevi. Like, all right. You know, Canucks have this thing with European players, uh, specifically S- Swedes and Finnish. And, you know, we'll see. I think that's why they're probably going to go uh, Tom Willander. That's that's probably what's going to happen here with the Canucks at 11. And it's way too early, damn it. I mean, Peter, back me up on this. I, I wouldn't. Okay, thank I you. Would, yeah, I wouldn't make right. that pick, yeah. Yeah, don't make that pick. All right, uh, book it, confirmed by Peter Harling. Canucks, come on, let's go. Um, all right, so we got the top four. What do you think? So I've seen some different players um, at the five position. You know, um, people are saying Will Smith, Benson, um, Oliver Moore is getting talk in that realm as well. What, what do you think? Just to round out your top five there. Yeah, well, I think I like, Bedard and um, Fantilli and Carlson and Mitchkov in, in the top four there. And then after that, um, that's where it really gets interesting, right? A lot of people see Will Smith going uh, in that range. Um, Ryan Leonard's getting a lot of uh, traction lately as well. They're all good picks. There's all good choices yeah, there. Yeah. It's just, what's your what's your pleasure? You Do you prefer skill? Do you prefer speed? Do you prefer, you know, a gritty you have a positional preference you got options there and they're all good yeah well of those of those players who who do you like like um you know who would you take at five i'm really warming up to ryan leonard a lot 
I, I like his his uh his combination of size and skill and smarts and physicality it makes him a really attractive prospect and i think one that might be a little bit underrated on on a lot of outlets and you look at what matt kachuk just did in the playoffs right and yep. people are now asking if you did a redraft of 2016 who goes first is it is it still austin matthews i mean he's matthews has come as advertised mm-hmm. um but man matthew kachuk who would you rather who would you rather have on your nhl team I don't even know, but you know what I love about Matthew Kachuk is what Paul Maurice has just been talking about him. Like just what a beauty he is in the dressing room. And obviously his performance on the ice was ridiculous. It's a valid question. Like Matthews or Kachuk. And why is that valid? That shouldn't be valid, but it is. I don't know. I don't even know. That'd be a tough one. Right. So where I'm going with this is, you know, in five years time, we might be looking back at this draft and let's say Ryan Leonard goes seventh. And you're thinking, man, I can't believe people took Oliver Moore or David Reinbacker over Ryan Leonard. I, I think he's that kind of guy. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm pretty high, and I'm, I'm no, I'm not the only one. But we'll we'll see what happens on draft day, and and that usually dictates a lot of fantasy draft lists to what what the NHL draft order is. Yeah, for sure. Well, and one thing um, Leonard has in spades is, you know, he's got that power forward build. Like, he's a big boy. He's a beefer. So how much, in your uh, summation, does size make a difference for, for these drafts? Like, is it is it like if it's 50-50 and one guy's like six six foot one and the other guy's five foot ten, they're like, oh, I'll go with the six foot one guy. Is it is it a tangible thing that teams look at or are they kind of getting more granular? I guess it depends who you ask, really. Um I was on the draft floor having a conversation with Craig Button and we were talking about um, Lane Hudson. I think it was and yep. you know, one of his favorite lines is, is you don't scout players with a tape measure. doesn't matter if a guy is, is five foot 10 or six foot four. What matters is who is going to be the more impactful player. Now, if you've got two guys and you're 50, 50 on them and one is six foot four and the other one is five foot 10 and, you know, they both play everything else exactly the same. They both skate well. They both play two-way. They both have good shots and they're the same position and like everything else is neutral. Well, why would you take the smaller guy? Right? Just, like, just to be a nice person. Come on, help him out. All right. He, he struggled right. his whole life. So so that's one side of, of the answer. And the, the other side is if you have a guy like Lane Hudson, who's who's 5'10", and you think, okay, so how many five foot ten? NHL defensemen are there there's like six there's only six guys or so that are in the NHL that are five foot ten or shorter um so you know you, you think to yourself well he's a long shot at best to make it um but look at what he's been doing yeah. now he's and and where he projects and you know I'll I'll take my chances on that guy all day long and he would have been a first round pick for me um not a second round pick. And because he fell in the second round, I was rubbing my hands like, oh, this is this is amazing. He's falling mm-hmm. in the second round. And he's even like not just the top of second round, he's falling down. This is a guy that I'm going to be able to get with my second round pick in my fantasy draft. No problem. And nope, I play with guys who are too smart for that. <laughs> <laughs> and he went like halfway through the first round. And I it blew my mind. I was like, oh damn people are listening to my podcast or something oh, man. I, gotta, yeah, that's, I gotta stop sharing the goods 
That's the plight of the fantasy podcaster, fantasy hockey podcaster right there. You're putting it all out online and then you play with these people and you're, you're like, I can't get my players. Um, yeah. You know, that's very frustrating. And actually on that question, what would you say is like, is, is, a, is the, the kind of the premier league to really test your metal as a, as a prospect? Like, you know, you and your team, like when you see a player coming out of X league, like, is it the SHL? Is it KHL? Is it, you know, like the, the U S program there? What, which one of those kind of is really testing these, these prospects and getting them NHL ready? Well, you've got a, a bunch of different leagues there that you can look at. You've got all your CHL leagues. You've got leagues in Europe. You've got guys playing junior and you got guys playing pro you got guys playing NCAA. Right. So there's, there's a wide range of, caliber of those leagues right and you've even got guys playing below junior in like the bchl and yep ojhl and you got guys who are drafted at a high school too and the guys who are are in in the lower junior leagues it's because they want to maintain their their ncaa eligibility right so you got a guy who's got two point a game production 100 points playing in in the OJHL or something like that, or, or in right. high school. And so you take it with a grain of salt, right? Um, yes, his production is great, but the quality of competition that he's playing against is, is inferior to the rest of the draft class. So you, that's context that you definitely want to take into consideration. Then you got a guy who's playing as an 18 year old, like Matthew Wood in the NCAA. And you're like, well, you know, he's seventh on his team in scoring or whatever, you know, that's, yep. That's good, but it's not great. Sure, but he's he's playing against guys who are 23 years old as opposed to the guy playing high school hockey that's playing against 16-year-olds. Yep. Like, that's yeah, a absolutely. humongous difference, right? So, like I said earlier, there's there's the context. you got to put these things into into context and, and understand what the environment is that they're producing in. And, you know, if they're – if they're in junior and they're not dominating, you think, well, you know, he's only 17 years old and he's not dominating, but he's playing against, you know, guys who are in a lot of cases older than him. Well, you know, if you're not dominating or at least doing really well, that's, that's a concern too, right? Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I respect scouts so much and people like yourself that, that are valuing players um, because sometimes there are players that, like you, like you said, you have to put all those things into context. Well, like what's the competition they're playing against and what's their production. And like that, that brings me to um, a player, uh, Dmitry Simishev, who is playing um, at a high level, but he's not producing at a high level yet. He's still kind of ranked at a high level coming into this draft here. And, and what, what are your thoughts on Simishev? Um, and just even in comparison to the other kind of big name uh, D, it's obviously a little bit of a weaker defenseman class here in the first round. So, you know, Reinbacher, uh, Polika, or Sandin Polika. Um, what, do you, what do you know about Simichev and like why? Because he didn't get very many points. So why is a player like that value potentially higher than these other players who are producing? Well, because you're drafting players not for what they do in their draft year but what you're projecting that they'll be in five and seven years, right? Yep. So in some of these cases, you got guys who are playing really well against junior. And like I said, some of them might be kind of peeking out now. So while they have very impressive stats, way more impressive than, than Simishev, that doesn't, that's not going to matter in four years when, you know, they stop producing or developing and, and you think Simishev is going to keep on 
keep on keeping on and getting better. What's great about him is, you know, he's six foot four. You can't teach size. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, he might not be the best defenseman in the draft class right now, but let's see where he is in five years. You know, he's He's got some so much raw, undeveloped potential. He's got a, a cannon of a shot and, um, you know, he's a, he's a good skater. It needs, needs some improvement, but there's so much to work with there. So he's a player that if you can, you know, draft him and give him another year or two in Europe and then bring him over and he's a long-term project to be sure. And then put him in your system and, and really refine him. And then you might have, you might have like a top pairing defenseman there, as opposed to some of the other guys who are ranked at the top, who I think are, you know, middle pairings at best. Then maybe they have a higher floor, like Simashev has a higher ceiling maybe, but, you know, maybe, you know, all that raw ability and skill and potential just doesn't pan out. And so he's got a lower floor, I think. Like he might not make it, but okay. if he does, he could really pop. He's going to hit. I like that. Um, and, and so on defensemen in this draft class, what, what would you say? Give me, give me your, give me your top five, just in the first round. How would you rank the defensemen there? Um, you know, cause obviously very forward heavy, lots of talented guys. The D is a little bit, you know, like you said, sometimes we're looking at middle pairing defensemen here. So how would you rank those, you know, top five kind of D men from the draft here? Okay. So the first one would be, would be Shimashev. And one of the reasons why, I'm pretty confident in saying that is one of the best scouting outlets that there is in the world. That's, that's not an NHL team uh, by far and away is, is hockeyprospect.com. Mark Edwards and his, and his team, these guys, they like literally travel and go all over the world and watch these guys live and do a ton of video scouting too. And they're basically watching and doing their rankings and player evaluation like they're an NHL team. And he is their top ranked defenseman and he's the fifth overall on their list. Wow. All right. That's that, high praise. Yeah. That is high praise coming from yeah. people who, who really, really, really know what they're talking about. Like this is their day job. This is what they do. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Right? So, so you got so, Yeah. So if they say that's so, then I'm not going to argue. That right? be so. Right. <laughs> okay. If you say so, well, <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll you. take your word for it there. After that, I like Sandin Pelica. I really enjoyed watching him at the U18s. He's a play driver. Um, I think you know, there's, there's some holes to his game, maybe some size. Uh, he's not the best skater in the draft class, but he's a great skater. And he just drives play. You know, he's competitive in his own end. He's got that compete level that we talked about that we like. And he's got a high skill level. I think he's got excellent hockey sense where he can apply that on both sides of the puck and to, to break up plays, uh, intercept passes and, and whatnot, and makes great outlet passes. And one of the most desirable things for NHL defensemen these days has been ability to create transition. Right. You see so much offense in the NHL come from quick transition where, you know, the play's coming into your end. They make a drop pass. It's intercepted. And then, boom, it's going back the other way, two on one and a goal. And, you know, he's the kind of player I think can can support that. Uh, the next guy would probably 
uh, Rhinebacker after that, who's number one on a lot of people's lists, but I'm not even sure if I'd have him in a fantasy draft. I don't think I'd have him in my first round. Uh, sorry. I just, you know, I, I like, I like the floor, but I'm just not sold on the ceiling. Uh, I think, you know, NHL, he's going to be, he'll make the NHL and I think he'll, he'll play a, a long career and play big minutes when he plays. But if you're just in a points only league, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think is kind of more second, third round value. And I'll, I'll go with the, uh, the top six forwards that are loaded in this draft. I'll take those guys all day long. Tom Willander would probably be next. And then uh, Oliver Bonk. I really like Bonk. I think he's a smart, smart player. And um, I think he's one of those guys that we're going to continue to see develop. I, he really he really came along nice in London this year. And and the London Knights is a is an OHL team that uh, Dale Hunter really favors the veterans there, right? Like in your rookie season, you get played very sparingly. And, right. you know, he's uh, draft eligible. So this would be year two. Um, still kind of, you know, you'd have to be really exceptional in order to get premium minutes in London. They, they go with their veterans hard there and, um, and he was a big player for them. So, uh, so that, that bodes well. Uh, so he's a player and he's got a nice pedigree too. It'd be great if Vegas drafted him. So those no, will be Vegas, my top Vegas five. doesn't need, they don't need anything else. All right. They won the Stanley cup. Take a break, Vegas. All right. Yeah. Let's save some cups for the rest of us. All right. What are you doing? Well, his dad played in, in the IHL in Vegas oh, yeah. for a long time. Oh, so. did, did he? Yeah, Radic Bonk. Basically my, my, my favorite name of all time. Oh, well, I can't say that. I like Zarly Zalapsky as well. Radic Bonk though. Oh man, that, that he's, he's on the, he's, he's on the all name team, like hall of fame. All right. So I like Oliver Bonk. That's nice. A nice. Another guy on the all name team who I'd like to get your opinion on real quick because uh, we will wrap it up here. But Daniil, uh, and I'm going to butcher this man's name. I'm hoping that it's but, but, uh, you know, it might be boo, but I don't know. Daniil, but is that the man's <laughs> name? Come on, Peter, help me out. It's spelled B-U-T like, like, but I don't know how to, how to pronounce it. Oh, it, damn it. But it's, it's Dan, Daniel Boot. Oh, man. Well, this, I hate to hear this. All right. This is not where I, you know, uh, Daniel Boot. All right. So he's off the all name team, but what, what's your take on this man? He's obviously a beefer. He's huge, but uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like he bangs too much. I mean, what's your thoughts on this guy? Yeah, it's funny. You're, you're bang on there. He doesn't bang. Um, Hockeyprospect.com, who I just talked about, had him ranked seventh overall. So yes, I saw that are, too. They are quite keen on him. So don't be surprised when this kid gets picked inside the top, 15 or higher on draft day. And, you know, a lot of people are like, whoa, wow, that's pretty high. Uh, so you heard it here first. No, it's not. All right, what may be yeah, even exactly. more surprising to some people listening is that despite being 6'5", he's not, does not play like a power forward. At least not yet. That might be something that develops in his game. His skating isn't great, but he's got a good shot. He's got great stick handling, but his best attribute is his playmaking, believe it or not. Um, he thinks the game at a nice high level and he sees plays that others don't. I like that too. Super duper raw. And he's going to take a long time to develop as well. But if developed right and teams are committed to improving, particularly his skating um, and if he can embrace his physical game as well and, and be kind of a mean aggressive player and just give him the option to go instead of pass around players. And just, if that's not an option, he can just go through them. Uh, yeah, that would be 
advantageous. So he could be really, really, really good. Oh man, it's it's such a waste, isn't it? When you got a player that's just huge like this that that is not physical. Come on, like you got you got to get mean, my man. Um, you know, yeah. uh, I I think of Tyler Myers here in Vancouver. He's like the nicest guy. Like, buddy, just you're, you're like six seven. Just just flick him off, like you know, or just smash him through the boards. No, he doesn't do that. He'll just go for the puck. You know what? Come on. No, that's, yeah. that's not how we do. All right. Um, all right. Well, I got to let you go here, Peter. I really appreciate your time. But before I do, I want to get your lock, your your lock player. Who's the this can't miss prospect that we all have to draft in our fantasy leagues? I'm, I'm starting or I'm in this new um, dynasty league that's, you know, 24 veterans, 24, you know, prospects. So we're drafting that starts at the end of July. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. All right. So you got to give me, you got to give me a dark horse. You got to give me a, a guy that's just going to blast everybody that, you know, that no one's going to be, they're going to be on the radar. What do you got for me, Peter? Are you talking like from the NHL draft? Uh, yeah, sure. From the NHL draft or even from last year's draft, just a prospect, you know, that could be, you know, drafted in the last couple of years too. Someone's that's going to pop like Elaine uh, Houston or, or whatever, right? Someone that's going to go and give me what I need. Well, Lane Hudson would be a great choice right there. Uh, he's not going to be in the NHL next year. He's, he's going back to Boston College, and he's going to play with his brother, uh, who's going to be a freshman. And they're just going to – it's a Dominate. carbon copy. Yeah, it's a carbon copy of, of Lane. And those two are just going to torch the NCAA. So it's going to be really fun to see how much the internet falls in love with this kid, and particularly right. Habs fans, and rightfully so. And I'm really, really interested to see, I think, when the season ends, uh, the college season ends before the NHL one does. So he'll, he'll have an opportunity to sign if he if he wants to and then get in a couple of pro games at the end of the season. So we'll get a glimpse in April as to uh, as to what he's going to look like. And that should be fun. Okay, Lane Hudson. All right. You heard it here first. This man's going to pop. He's going to go off. And we're here for it. All right. To be smooth, Jimmy's luck of the week. Confirmed, Peter Harling. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. I really appreciate that. This is I could do this for a long time just because I'm I'm learning. <laughs> like I, this, I just like to hear your perspective on this stuff because obviously you're involved in this world, and this is something I'm interested in. So thank you so much for making time for this. I do want to give you just the floor for a second. If there's anything you want to promote, or where can we find you on the socials and all that business? Yeah, sure. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. And the podcast that I'm co-hosting with Victor Nuno is Dauber Prospects Report, uh, DPR underscore show. And uh, of course, go to Dauber Prospects and check out all of the, the great content there. We've got all 32 teams, prospects, pools, and, and profiles on those players. And we've got feature articles, and we've got draft content. And right now you can get the Dauber Prospects Report which is a prospect guide uh, breaking down, you know, 12 to 15 top prospects from, from every NHL team, the top 50 players who prospects who haven't played an NHL game and, and lots of draft content and that too. It's, it's kind of the Bible for dynasty hockey when you're farming for prospects for your hockey team. So check all that out. Thanks very much for having me on, man. 
Yeah, you bet. I was just about to say that. It's like the Bible for this type of stuff, right? Like the amount of information over at Dauber Prospects is staggering with the articles and everything and the guides. And then you throw on these beauty podcasts, uh, Dauber Prospects Report. Um, yeah, it's, I really appreciate the work you guys are doing and I'm excited for you. Enjoy the draft, my man. It's gonna be, I'll be, I'll be thinking of you. All right. And, uh, you know, hopefully you have a beer for me. All right. That's nice. Um, thanks so much, Peter. Really appreciate that. And thank you everyone for listening. We're going to, uh, have another episode here in another couple of days. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary.